over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the two, to the one, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Not a bad start. It's a gleam, man. It's a gleam. Anybody it's the same old Browns. You, it's not the same old Browns. This is different. Hey everyone, welcome in. This is not the same old Browns podcast. I am Andy Lytle. I am Stephen Thomas, verified. Yes, you are. You are Mr. Verified, <laughs> which was the title of uh, episode 17 last week. Um, yeah, you are. How, how's that feel? Like you got a week under your belt now. You're you're verifying. How's that? How, how's everything feeling, man? Well, in the uh, in the staff meeting last week, I did feel pretty superior, uh, which you know you could probably imagine. But in, uh, in, in I just like that. Show. I have it, it's a matter of time until the rest of the staff gets their check. I mean, they're just going through the process. So I have this <laughs> I have this limited window when I can pound this joke into the ground, and I am going to hammer the hell out of it. So yes, well. Here, well, you're here, and I'm 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 honestly honored that you showed up because mm-hmm. I wasn't even sure you're verified. I was like, is he gonna only well, show I'm not up like pants? Yeah, you're well, not that important. That's a given. You never wear pants. You hate mm-hmm. pants. We all know this. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is not the same old Browns podcast presented by the OBR. Uh, we got a guest today. We're gonna have a couple guests today. Let me bring him in right now. Oh, there he is. What's going on, Cody? Our analytics. Analytics nerd. No, he's not. (laughs) Steven, you got me calling him a nerd all the time, and now I feel bad. But uh, don't blame me. Own it, man. (laughs) Our analytics analyst and writer for the OBR, Uh, Cody. What's going on, brother? Welcome in, man. Gentlemen, how you doing? I'm Um, also verified now. By the way, oh, that's true. Yeah, Steven and I are the two two peas in a pod. We have secret handshake, Mm -hmm. private meetings. It's, I hope it's it, very. We're just better people, Stephen. We are. I, could, could you believe the buffet at that meeting yesterday? Oh, man. wings, pizza, steak. I couldn't believe Wolfgang Puck came and catered our little verified meeting, but uh, I couldn't you know, believe it. Either. He understands. He's trying to get in. He's trying to get in. I'm not going to let him, but uh, you know, he can. He can cook me some dock. <laughs> it's as far as we'll let it go with Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, one foot he's, in the door, one foot out at all times. He's verified adjacent. Is what he is. There you go. Oh, very nice, very nice. Is that like Beverly Hills and Beverly Hills adjacent? Is yeah. it kind of like that? A lot of people yeah. don't know that there actually is a Beverly Hills adjacent. That's yeah, a, it's a true thing. Um, yeah. So I hope everyone in the chat is well. Hope you guys are well. If you have any questions, pop them off, man. We'll 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 go through them as uh as we go here. But uh, I'm kind of under the pressure here, man. I'm I'm surrounded by two verified gems here and i i'm just surrounded by greatness and i don't know what to do here but i'm gonna do my best well you know we're you know what (laughs) steven calls you a nerd all the time and i know everyone at the obr calls you a nerd you know what i'm you're an analytics nerd i'm a horror nerd steve you're a draft nerd so we're all nerds here so and uh speaking of that actually you've been on like a horror movie kick lately cody haven't you (laughs) because of you yeah i've uh (laughs) I um, might have slept four hours this week after all these movies. It's really, <laughs> really taken a toll on my lifestyle. But uh, they've been quite good, quite enjoyable, because I've never really taken a dive into that film realm at this yes. point. Um, it's, it's quite enjoyable. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of listeners will know that I, I'm a huge movie fan, especially horror. I co-host a horror movie podcast, and it's been cool. Uh, it's been cool uh, recommending you some titles, and you not only recommended him you're watching him but you seems like you enjoy him so I, I always like to spread the love of horror around so that's that's my thing well if but, i could throw something in i, I know i've told you yeah. about this andy and the, it's 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 horror comedy so it's really yeah. blends what you guys are talking about and what i do if you if you get the chance stand against evil um yeah. un unbelievably funny john mcginley yep. it is absolutely imagine <laughs> dr cox except without the nice parts where he cares about his patients Oh, that's, that's his character in Stand Against Evil. It's hysterically funny. So anybody watching, you want an easy binge? It's a half-hour comedy. It was three Beautiful. seasons. Uh, I, I got to watch it. I still have not seen it myself. So I've got to watch it. I've got to watch it. But so we're not here to, as much as I love to talk about horror and horror movies, movies in general. We are not here to do that. We are, we are not the same old Browns podcast presented by the OBR. And we've got the analytics whiz on with us today. Um Cody, uh, I want to start with uh, actually an article that you dropped today, I believe. Um, it was uh, very interesting. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, today's piece was about um, the role or fringe players for the Browns roster, the final 53 for 2021. These are, these are guys, they're not household names. They're not going to be superstars, Pro Bowl players, all pros, but they can contribute even in their limited role to this sure. team um, in 2021. Uh, one of the first guys that pops into my mind is the first guy we mentioned in the article is wide receiver Kadera Hodge. Uh, a lot of people forget last year that those first few games when the team ran 11 personnel, um, one receiver, oh, sorry, one running back, one tight end, three receivers, it was Hodge that was that third guy. It wasn't Rashad Higgins. Yeah. It wasn't DPJ. Uh, it wasn't any of the other guys. The front office in the team, coaching staff, highly, take highly of Hodge. Um, he showed his talents even in limited fashion last year. Uh, he was just targeted only 16 occasions, but he made the most of that market share with the team. Um, among the qualifying wide receivers, in this case it was receivers that had 10 or more targets during the season, uh, he was seventh in average depth of target. We call that A dot uh, for short, with 16.8 yards. Uh, he was 13 and expected points added per target at .56. And he had a 1.44 yards per route run, which is average to above average for the position. Sure. Uh, one of the more telling stats from him last year was he was the only qualifying wide receiver to have 100% of his receptions go for a first down. Right. So every time he touched the ball, he achieved a first down, which is, it's nearly unheard of. Granted, that small, is. small sample size, limited role, so you got to take it into context. But those are only encouraging things to see from your third wide receiver who could be a valuable asset to this team um, in 2021? So say that again. You mean every reception he had? Because I have bad ADD and I, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. But did you just tell I me? I can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know. <laughs> did you just tell me every reception he had last year went for a first down? Every single one. 100% first down percentage on receptions last year. Yeah. Now, what does that tell you? I think it shows efficiency. It yep. shows production for, for, for a third wide receiver. We're not looking at a guy to get to 60 to 80 catches. You know, he's not going to get the targets. He's not going to get the target share to get to that height of a figure. But it shows that he's able to contribute on what he does, on the targets he does get during the game. Sure. Um, maybe it's only three to five a game. It's not going to be something sizable, 40 or 50 for the year. But he can provide value to the team, to Stefanski's offense, and to Baker Mayfield, and to alleviate the pressure off of OBJ and Landry. 
And I think it also shows, if I could uh, uh, yeah. try to step into your world for a minute, that his situational awareness is extremely high. He run, he knows where the sticks are. He's he gets past them. He you know he finds a way to get open. He's got great hands. He's much faster than a lot of people uh, give him credit for. Um, but I think his uh, uh, production on third down, all the numbers that you just gave, plus we all know uh, Richard Higgins is one of Baker's favorite safety nets on third down. He also knows how to get open, knows how to make that clutch catch. He may only make a couple catches a game, but he annoys the crap out of the other team because they all keep drives going. And him and Baker have that mystical connect. He just knows where he is and, and knows where he's going to go. So I think between the two of them, however it shakes out in that 3-4-5 spot, and and tell me what you think of this, uh, uh, Cody. 3-4-5 is... is uh, those two guys in DPJ in some order. Um, however, it shakes out in that middle of that uh, wide receiver room. We're set. Well, we're, we've got plenty of options yeah. for third down security blanket type guys. Am I, am I reading those numbers correctly? No, I completely agree. Absolutely. I think for the three, four, five, it's going to be a wide open competition going into training camp. You know, we, we talk about the D tackle, which, which is that later training camp battle, but that's one not a lot of people have talking about because I think. A lot of people forgot how, not featured, but how involved he was in the offense early on last year until he had the hamstring injury, until he uh, had the COVID-19 stuff going on that cost him a few games there. Um, but he, he's a valuable piece, and a lot of people want to give Higgins that wide receiver three. I, I love Higgins. Like he's a great football player. Um, uh, DPJ has potential there as well, and you can't forget about Anthony Schwartz either. He's pushing up that line as well. Those are maybe – future assets, not current assets, right. DPJ and Schwartz. Uh, but three and four, I think it's going to be Hodge and Higgins. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hodge be that guy come out first game, 11 personnel in the first snap for him to be the guy out there and not Higgins. Wouldn't shock me because I know, I mean, even I was shocked last year in week one, the first few weeks uh, for that matter. And I, I I remember Browns fans were too. And I'll admit I was one of them asking, you know, what, what, I was just more curious than anything. Why is Hodge getting snaps over Hollywood? Um, but I mean, like you just said, I would not be surprised either because they they tried it out last year. And and again, last week I I got crucified for even asking the question of of those three wide receivers, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, Hollywood Higgins, and Hodge. But I, I again, I think people are forgetting that Hodge started off the season on the field over Higgins. So, well, I, I'm curious to see what happens. Uh, Another position group that you uh, tackled today in your article was, is one that fascinates me because if you go backwards about two or three months, I've, I've been saying this for a while, that defense in, interior defensive line was, was one of the areas that I thought the Browns needed some depth. Well, Andrew Berry signed and, and drafted and, and, and acquired like 36 over a six, six-week span, it seemed. Um, there's two on there that uh, definitely fascinate me. Um, we'll start with uh, uh, Marvin Wilson uh, out, of, uh, out of Florida State, right? Is it Florida State? Yeah, Florida State. Yeah, yeah, Florida State. Yeah, he was an undrafted free agent. And uh, with pride, I think a lot of people, Stephen, I think yourself, and were you a little surprised he didn't get drafted? Uh, yeah, I thought yeah. that uh, because, you know, as, as anyone who follows the draft knows early in the like at this time last year, he was, you know, guaranteed day one. And, and I think in 
the preseason mock machines last year, the Browns were picking like 18th or 19th, and I picked him in mm -hmm. one, and, I, and and no way in hell guy was in my mentions immediately. No way he makes it to 19. He's going top 10 guaranteed. And he has that kind of talent. He has that kind of physical talent. Um, and But, you know, obviously the situation at Florida State in and of itself was just not conducive to to really playing well. Plus, he, had, he was nursing an injury. And, you know, there were rumors that he lost interest and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I can't speak to any of that. But I thought for sure a, a guy with his talent, his physical talent, I, I, that somebody would take a shot at him uh, on day three. I was very surprised that he slipped all the way down to the uh, to the UDFA. And I think a lot of other teams were, too, just just judging by the the bag, the PUDFA bag that, sure. that the Browns ended up giving him. They had to. It was a bidding war, from what I understand. Um so, yeah, I was very surprised that he didn't get. Now, that doesn't mean anything once camp starts next week. I mean, he could, like you said, there's eight guys in that room right now, and you could easily make a case for any combination of four or five that, uh, that end up making the roster, and he could be easily inside the cut line or he could be gone. Uh, I don't think, I will say this, I don't think they're going to be able, able to sneak him onto the practice squad unless he just has a – you know, horrendous camp or something like that. Absolutely. I think there's just too much physical talent there. But um, I think he's definitely a guy that uh, could make some of the guys currently above him on the uh, uh, the preseason depth chart available that last week of camp for one of those, you know, day three pick swap type trades uh, that we've been talking about that, that we seem to see every year. Absolutely. And hey, Barry, hey, Brad, uh, and Mr. Jack Duffin. What's going on, Jack? Jack's got a little question up here. You guys want to... And well, we, we knew when we were talking analytics that Jack was going to be here. <laughs> What's up, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys tackle that question. You guys are the nerdy analysts. I'll, I'll Go ahead, it. Cody. Yeah. The guest will get first. Yeah, uh, I, could, I could definitely see a more hybrid front. I think part of to answer that question is we can't forget that Clowney might play inside a little bit this year, too, at the three times. Yeah, sure. You know, he, he might actually be more dominant inside <laughs> than on the edge spot. Mm -hmm. uh, we could see a, a front of Miles Garrett and let's put um, Ty McKinley on the other edge. Clown yes! in the middle. Yeah, right. I love uh, when Cody talks dirty, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and we could see in the middle, we could see um, Clowney. And we could also see somebody, I don't know whoever it's going to be. That, that, that's a Malik wide Jackson. open race. Yeah. yeah, Malik Jackson. That's probably their, your first four coming out this season. Uh, that's probably the most interesting uh, position battle of training camp in my eyes is that interior defender because there's no one guy except for maybe Malik Jackson that you look at and you say, well, he's he's for sure definitive a starter coming into this season. Sure. Uh, that's not to say that Marvin Wilson, he could be that guy. Like Steven was talking about back in 2019, he was the best interior defender maybe in all of college football that season. Uh, a guy that it's like you said, top 10, top 19 talent, and then 2020 comes around, and then the wheels came off for that whole team. It's yeah, hard to keep focused when you're losing football games, and it's, that's not an excuse for him. But sure. um, to get back to Jack's question, I do think that because he's some more hybrid fronts this year, um, absolutely, without a doubt. Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, I think it, it like it, it's fun to say this because we actually mean it this year, and I know the staff and the front office means it. Whoever wins the job in camp. I mean, that's a cliche that we hear every year around this time. But I think in this case, it really is true because that front stud, because I've said that's the uh, probably what they want to be their for third down pass, pass rushing unit is sure. Miles, Clowney, Malik Jackson, and Tack. 
And three of those guys, because remember, Miles got shifted inside way more than a lot of us were expecting last year. Three mm -hmm. of those guys can come from any angle. So if you can get those three guys out there in, in an obvious passing situation, you, you're going to get a split second of confusion and hesitation from the offense because they're not going to know where they're lining up or where they're coming from. Um, now you throw you throw in, you know, um, Andrew Billings is not known for his pass rush, but he's in that rotation. I think Tommy Togiai is going to surprise a lot of people with the amount of snaps uh, that he gets. He didn't exactly fill up like, you know, the, the, the stat sheet with sacks and everything last year. But as Dane Brugler likes to say, who, in my opinion, is just the best in the business when it comes to draft evaluation disruption is production. And a lot of the production that the edges that the Ohio state had last year w was due in large part to Togi. I just constantly being in the backfield and making the quarterback go right, go left, you know, redirecting running plays, that kind of stuff. So he may not come in and be a guy that, you know, gets a ton of snaps and, you know, has nine sacks or anything yeah. like that. But I think right. Togi, I could really surprise some people with the amount of snaps he eats up and how much production via disruption he ends up getting but i'm with you cody i think they've got all the guys we've mentioned then you throw in uh damian square is you keep talking about him and I, and I, <laughs> he's not aaron keep... donald but go watch yeah. him he's yeah. good he's just a solid solid player sheldon day again more Another you know one. just kind of a guy that takes snaps but he's been around the league for a long time he knows what he's doing and he does it well and then of course the ultimate wild card uh well you got jordan elliott as well who yep, we all yeah. expected i think more from than he gave last year and i'm sure. curious to see how much of that was due to the covid situation and not getting training camp and all that other stuff uh so see if he can take a snap and then the ultimate wild card we were talking about this off the air cody i'll let you take the reins on on this guy malik mcdowell i mean you could tell me that he's going to be the number one interior defensive line <laughs> you you could tell me he because he's going to be cut before the 53 or anything in between and i believe you because the range of outcomes on him is it's just nuts what, what do you think about uh mcdowell's chances on this roster i, I completely agree i think He's either going to come in and blow the doors off, or he might not even make the team. He's, he's, he's one of those two. He, and with, with the whole group, there's nobody that stands out, like we talked about before, that's going to be maybe not a superstar, but we don't need superstars in the interior. Just be a sure. good, solid football player. McDowell could be that guy. Uh, he was second team all Big Ten, Michigan State. Uh, he had seven and a half sacks, 24 and a half tackles for loss in his career there, and was a first-round talent, but – Steven had a great quote when we were talking off about Jack Nicholas about the six inches between your ears. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. have that, you're not going to be successful in the NFL. Your, your God-given athleticism, speed, explosion is only going to take you so far. And I think that's kind of McDowell wrapped up kind of, kind of in, in a nutshell of his, of his lack of career so far. He had the ATV accident. He's got a rap sheet as long as a CVS receipt. You know what I mean? He's just mistake yeah. after mistake after mistake after mistake. Luckily, uh, Andrew Barry has given him another chance. And he has, he's given him every opportunity in training camp to prove he belongs along that interior of the defensive line, similar to how um, Kareem Hunt was, right? A lot of people had written him off for what happened with him, inexcusable by, by all accounts of the, of the thing, but he sort of redeemed himself in the community and with the team and seems to be a stand-up citizen now. So I think McDowell has that chance to prove himself this year. Yeah, the, the physical talent with McDowell was never the question. It was always yeah. this oh, space had, right up here. Yeah, uh, above a nine relative athletic score. Right, but he was he was at the top wow. towards the top of that class um, at, at the position. So he's there's the talent there, the the uh, 
physical traits are there. It's, it's the intangible things and then between the year stuff we have to worry about. But hopefully he's put together and can provide some value should he make the final 53 this year. Right. Yeah, the, I keep saying it, Stephen. I, I, I say it every week, I swear, but th- this that position, the interior defensive line, the D-knuckle room, really fascinates me because there's a chance it could be if a lot of these guys, you know, work out, whoever whoever surprises come out, come up and and snag a roster spot. Um, it could be it could be actually a really good group, or it could be one of their Achilles heels heels this year. We don't yeah. know. We really, really don't know. That's why I'm just so fascinated by it. And that's I, I've never been more interested in DTs in my life than this offseason. I have no I, it's I can't wait to see what what transpires with that. Um, what were some uh, what uh, what were some other position groups that uh, you that you uh, today? We looked at Edge. Um, yeah. Yo, that's right, Stephen. You want to know about about Curtis Weaver? Yeah, right? yeah. I'm going to let you take the reins. Uh, you yeah, the guy that I'm. I think everybody's fascinated about. Tell uh, tell us what you think and what you see uh, coming from uh, Curtis Weaver. That's a good question. I think with Weaver, the the, the athleticism is like off the charts. Okay, but he's a good football player. His hands are probably the best thing he has. Uh, he can, with a little bit of coaching, he can become a really good football player. And you, you can't knock what production he had at Boise State in college. Um, he's sure. the Mountain West Conference all-time leader in sacks. He had 34 career sacks, and he only played three seasons. So that's production's off the charts. He had 47 and a half tackles for loss. Um, and he was 10th among all FBS edge rushers his final season in pass rush productivity. It's a PFF metric that measures pressure on a snap basis weighted towards sacks. Yes. Um, and he also had a pass rush win, win rate. Uh, when we talk about pass rush win rate, we mean – how quickly, within, how often within 2.5 seconds did you beat your opposing blocker? Okay. And his was 22.9%. So almost one out of every four pass rushes, he was disrupting the opposing quarterback. Uh, so that's obviously what you want to see. But you have the two worries. One was athleticism. And two, will that production carry over to the NFL? Granted, he's not going to get probably 10 to 12 sacks a year. That's, that's not common for a player of his capability. Sure. But if he gets seven, eight sacks a season behind Tack, behind Clowney, behind Garrett, that's exactly what this team needs. Uh, to, along with the added coverage on the back end, you're causing about comp, um, constant disruption um, and making quarterbacks uncomfortable. That's one of the top things a defensive coordinator wants to do, and he's perfectly capable of doing that based upon the metrics that we see um, from an analytical perspective. What yeah. do you think, Stephen? And I think um, uh, to his benefit is the, the situation that he's coming into. He's not being asked to come in and be the top edge guy. He's not even asked yeah. the second or third, really. No. I mean, yeah. if, he, if he plays his absolute best and everybody else does what they do, maybe he's the third edge. And in your first year in the league, that's a nice situation to be in. You don't, there's no pressure. You can go in. You know you're rushing the passer most of the time. Um, the thing with with him too was, uh, and we've heard we've all heard this. He transformed his body, which I have always taken to mean he was a bit doughy before and just yeah. relying on, you know. Uh, I take natural, offense to that. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's we, on we can he's be on doughy. Baby. Yes, I am. Mean, he's not as doughy as I am. I, you know, I, I'll kick his ass in doughiness, but <laughs> you know, I'm not out there trying to beat you know uh, right tackles in the NFL, so <laughs> it doesn't really doesn't really hinder what I do. But my point is, 
Um, yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. From uh, yeah. I think it's El Jefe. Jefe himself. But I think that's that speaks to what you said about his yeah. relative athleticism. He he's always been and strong in that. They're trying to get him on the field um, because you know it's it's Miles, it's it's Clowney, it's Tack, and then you know him and Port Augustine. Uh, you know maybe somebody maybe Malik Jackson kicks out for some like we said before. They're really yeah. only going to be the fourth and fifth edge, and that's a nice place to be in as a rookie. But the thing with him. Um, they obviously really liked him um, because of the swiftness with which they snatched him up when Miami tried to sneak him uh, onto IR because they they're trying to cut him and then bring him back on the practice squad and put him on IR sure. like a lot of teams do every year. And Andrew Barry was just like, nope, yoink. He just, I mean, and I mean like that. I think it was the next day you were telling was. me off the air, court, uh, Cody. Yeah. Um, so which tells you they they really like what they see. Uh, in him, what his potential could be. And when you start thinking of that in terms of beyond this year with all of the contract situations that they have, if it does shake out that Jadevian Clowney and Zach McKinley and some of these other guys move on to, you know, bigger bags of cash elsewhere next year, which is a possibility. If they think he can next year step in and be that second guy, that's that's high praise, and that will really help moving forward with the roster building as far as not overpaying too many big contracts. And I know I, I just made Jack uh, pretty happy with that statement right there. He probably just dropped his pants and ran around the room over there in England. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Weaver has a chance to be one of the surprise guys this year in, a, in what should be, anyway, a limited role. And to add, right. to add to what you said, too, he doesn't have to step into that starting role this year. He can take right. some time get his body together, get fully healthy, get prepared, learn the defensive scheme that Joe Woods wants to run. Learn the league. Maybe some new techniques from Chris Kiffin, Garrett, Clowney, even Tack. Learn how to play the position at the NFL. And the next year, like you said, if if Clowney and Tack move on from their contracts, um, you now have a guy that can step in and play. Absolutely. What's uh, Back to DT, DTs real quick. There's a couple questions in here. Um how many DTs do you guys think they keep on the final 53 from Bob? <sighs> I'm going to say five no, or four. I'm going to say five, Cody. Yeah, five sounds right. Do we know how many they kept on last year? By any means? Oh, top Steven, my head. Know, is it five? Not off the top of my head. I don't remember. I think, it, I think it depends on what you how you define true DT because if Malik sure. Jackson's versatility – yeah, if that if that's not a true DT, I don't know if that counts or not because that's one less that way. Four, Jack's, um, Jack says four last year. That sounds right, Jack. If I'm remembering. Yeah, so if, if you count Malik Jackson as a true DT, I would say four is probably most likely in my head. Uh, if not, then it's three. If you think of him as some sort of hybrid uh, edge so guy I, or whatever. Sure. So, so let's sure. go through. We're, we're going to have Billings. He's going to make the team. Okay. Mm -hmm. You would think. You would think. You would think. Right. Right. Jordan Elliott, you would mm -hmm. think. Um, Togi I, he's going to make the team. He's a rookie draft pick. He's going to make it. Um, and then you have Malik Jackson. Let's call it, let's take him out. Let's say he's the a hybrid defensive end, defensive tackle, whatever. So take him sure. out. Now you're down to a one spot left for your Marvin Wilson, Sheldon Day, Malik McDowell, and Damian Square. Yikes. It's tough. I know. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough, it. but that's a, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is. It's a good. I'm not used to these problems, Cody. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're having to, uh, you mean? to pinpoint problems in the roster. That's that's the first time in 
my 30 years on this planet, 30 some years. Well, you know I mean? yeah, they took a, uh, uh, um, let's throw numbers at it approach to this position. Group yeah. Because yeah. the nice thing is they've got eight guys. They don't need all of them to, to hit. They need half of them to hit and odds are they're going to be able to find that and more. So it's a good situation to have. Well, it's it's like I'll bring up I'll bring up the the, the blasphemous name of uncertain people. The Sashi Brown approach to the draft: accumulate mm -hmm. picks, get as many as you can, have two drafts in one year, right? So having six picks, let's get ten or twelve picks mm -hmm. within the first three four rounds. <laughs> accumulate that talent, right? Mm -hmm. More picks, and say if half of them hit, okay, you had a full draft class hit if you back into that number, right? Right. So um, it's the same. That's exactly what Barry's doing here. It's accumulating solid, good football players at a position. Hopefully a few of them pan out and then you're set. Well, yeah, that's kind of, you know, uh, the voodoo word of analytics front office, you know, that they think they're smarter than everybody. Else. No, it's actually the opposite. They know they're not going to hit, you know, on a regular basis. Maybe you have a good year here and there, but on over time, you're going to hit roughly the same amount as everybody else. So if everybody else averages seven picks a year and you average nine and a half picks a year and you're both hitting the same percentage, that's how much, how many fewer roster spots that you have to go out and pay free agents for or bring in street free agents and hope they have a career year. These are, that's the whole point of analytics is that you're not smarter than everybody else as far as the draft because you want more shots at the draft board. So, and I know I'm speaking your language there and, and Jack's probably, you know, half naked right now, but um, <laughs> you know, that that's, I just wanted to throw that in there because you led into it perfectly. The whole, the whole idea is to accumulate more picks over a long period of time. That way you have to pay fewer big free agent contracts. And not pay for depth. You're not paying with depth at the free exactly. agency class. You're using your depth for these rookie pay scales that are fairly set across the board now with, with the new CBA. Right. Um, it's part of the guardrails right there. My answer to this question, uh, any chance Togiai, McDowell, and yeah. Wilson all make the final 53? Yes, there is a chance. I would say it's on the unlikely side of the ledger that all three make the roster, but it's definitely possible. I mean, you know, like we said at the top of this segment, it really is whoever wins a job in camp. They mean it this year. It really yeah. is a battle this year, and they're all talented enough yeah. to win their battle. They're, they're low risk. They're, yeah. All three of those guys are low risk guys. Mm -hmm. it, except yeah. for Togi, I, I don't remember what round he was in. Was that third, fourth, fourth round? Fourth yeah, round fourth. pick. McDowell and Wilson, no money out. There's no money out the door with either one of those guys. You're right. banking on you're banking on their talent translating to the NFL for a low risk contract figure that you have no future assets allocated towards. So there, there's right. It's just, it's just a, it's a huge opportunity benefit situation. And, and you're, you're also looking, if you want to look at it at the, a step ahead, if the situation comes out that these three guys play well enough that they're going to make the roster. I mean, the other way they all three of these, if there's a bunch of injuries in front of them, but let's assume that that's not the case, that it's just that they all play so damn well that they make these other guys expendable. Well, now you got either Malik Jackson or maybe Andrew Billings or last year's third round pick, Jordan Elliott, still a top 100 pick. You're going to be able to, I mean, you're going to get a first round pick back or anything, but you're going to be able to get something of value back in a trade for those sure. guys because in this situation where these three names have made it that those guys are expendable, you're not just going to cut them. You're going to try to get something, yeah. even, even if it's if a it's day a three pick. Even yeah. if it's a fourth or a fifth, you can package those. Yeah. Forget about that. You can package two fifths to move up to a fourth, two fourths into the third. A sixth is Absolutely. better than just cutting some guy. You know, yeah. you take so, whatever you can get. Yeah. Absolutely. If, yeah. if these three guys on the screen right now were to make the roster, 
I got to believe one of the odd men out would be Jordy and Elliot, no? It would I, make sense, yeah. Yeah. I would think if if those three have made it, then Elliot hasn't lived up to his standard of what they expected for him coming out of Iowa. Was it Iowa? Is that where you went to school? Missouri. 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 Yeah, Missouri. Missouri. And it looks yeah. darling coming out of college. And that would be an L for me because I was a big Jordan Elliott guy. That, that would be another draft L for me. But yeah, you don't um, have many, Stephen. You don't have many. Oh no, no, I've got shitloads. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my mentions. People remind it all, remind me of it all the time. You tweeted, Stephen. I saw uh -huh. this, 2016. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lord have mercy. What's what switch gears? I want to talk about. Um, Actually, it was a, in regards to another article you wrote, I think in June, Cody. Uh, it was at the end of June. It was uh, about one of the, I guess, a player that I, I'm looking super forward to seeing on the field again. That's Odell Beckham Jr. Um, let me just, I'll just start you off with this, Cody. Are the Browns, is the Browns offense better with or without Odell Beckham Jr.? I know the answer. I know my answer. It's okay. It's I think it's 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 a widespread myth that the offense was better without Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. Thank you. You look when you look at the offense last year, it takes time. Baker said it today at his at his pro camp at the football camp. It takes time to get used to the nuances of a new offense, and Baker's done it three of the four or whatever many times that he's been in the league already, sure. right? Terminology, timing alignment, the playbook, all that takes time, okay? So when you look at OBJ last year, you could say, was it correlation or was it causation with, with the offense with him? Was the cause of the offense performing so well when he left, it's a direct result of him not being in the roster? Or was it correlated to the offense having time together and getting comfortable and starting to learn the playbook together? And I fall on the latter. Uh, if we look at specifically to the stats – um, from weeks one through seven of the offense, I'll screw up. I don't have these off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I'm not off the photographic memory here. From weeks one through seven, the, the offense was 15th in success rate, 19 in EPA per play, and Baker was 20 in EPA per dropback. Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit and talk about what success rate is. We talk about it all the time. Nobody's really ever given a definition of what it is. It's, it's an efficiency, efficiency metric where you have to achieve a certain amount of yards for that specific down to be called successful, okay? So if we look at first down, we want 40% of the yards to be achieved to be successful on that first down. First and 10, you want four yards successful play, okay? Second down, you want to achieve 60% of those yards. Second and 10, we need six yards to be considered a successful play. Third and fourth down, you want 100%. Third and eight, you need eight yards. Fourth and three, you need third, okay? The Browns were 15th in that metric the first half of the season when everybody's getting comfortable in Stefanski's offense. Um, COVID-19 offseason. You know, what do you expect? Players aren't in together. They're doing everything virtual, on whiteboards, talking through things with each other, maybe lining up in their living room separately. You know what I mean? That's how the offseason was spent last year to an extent. Then week eight comes. Everybody's used to what's going on in the offense. Now they're 11th in success rate, up four spots. Eighth in EPA per play, that's a plus 12. And then seventh in EPA per drop back for Baker Mayfield, that's 13 points higher. Now, Beckham's not, not in the lineup at that point, but it's not a, he's not the cause of that. 
he's only going to add to the success of the offense of the second half of the last season. He's not going to subtract from that. Okay. Now we have maybe the psychological factor here with somebody of his stature, somebody of his ability, somebody with his persona that some front offices, some players might feel that you need to feed him the ball to keep him happy. Okay. I don't think, I don't know him personally. I've never spoken on the phone with him by any means or anything like that. But I don't think that's necessarily the case with him. I think with most players in this league, you win football games, you're happy. He'll sure. get his touches, okay? And there's a significant difference with any football player in the NFL of manufacturing touches and just giving a player the ball just to get him the damn ball, right? Yeah. Manufacturing touches means within the confines of the constraints of an offense, let's put this player in the most advantageous situation possible to make plays in the offense. We saw that week four last year with Beckham versus the Cowboys. Was that week four? Mm -hmm. He ran for a touchdown. He threw for a touchdown. He caught a touchdown in that game, right? Offense scores 40-some points, blowing the doors off the wall, blowing the doors off. Uh, With him, get him in situations where he's uh, getting the ball in his hands and using his yak ability or his explosiveness. Slant routes, screens, posts, nine routes, reverses, Get the ball in his hands within the confines of the offense. Don't force feed him like the 2019 offense under Kitchens. I'm fairly certain that happened. We all saw it. It was predictable. Anytime there was an RPO, you're hitting Beckham on a slant every single time. Uh, I think they had an idea that you had to give him the ball as much as possible to the detriment of the success of the offense. I don't think Stefanski is going to let that happen. There's no way he'll let that happen. Even just one year under his belt, he's organized he's detail-oriented he wants to do what's ever best for the team i think baker odell landry the whole slew of guys are all on the same page when it comes to that sure what do you think steven oh i'm with you i think uh that the diva storyline got overblown a bit uh in new york uh partially because of the new york media they like to overblow just about everything and you know partially his own fault i mean he was a flashy kid he was young he was a high pick he was you know, extremely confident, which can be taken the wrong way. Um, And, but I think, and I've said this on our airwaves before, I think a lot of it was he didn't see a lot of people, enough people in his mind uh, with the same dedication to winning that he does, that he had. Like, and when he doesn't see everybody pulling their oar with the same oomph that he pulls his, he can speak out and get frustrated and that sort of thing. So I think coming to Cleveland in the locker room that they built last year was a very good thing for him. And then also on top of that, I think this, that injury, you could just tell he was pissed off missing that playoff run last year. He was so frustrated. And you could hmm. see by his offseason rehab, I mean, Lane told us back in January, he was like, Nine in the 98th percentile already or something like that for recovery. And we've, we've seen the videos that he's posted. We saw the one uh, from Camp Mayfield that Jarvis put out, uh, what was that, two weeks ago, whenever that was. He looks yeah. just incredible. Dude is fired up. He is not going to miss another season like that. He's going to do everything in his power. And I think you're right, Cody. I think with this particular locker room, that everyone has bought into the team concept. It's we get W's. I don't care if I have one catch or eight catches, you know, it it makes no difference to me. And I think he is going to fit in perfectly with that. And I think as far as Odell being the Odell that we all know and remember, I mean, there's no real metric 
to, to measure this by, but just his presence on the field and the attention that the opposing defense has to get. He's one of those guys you got to find him every play. If you're on the defense, where is he? What are we going to do? Who's bracketing him? Which two guys have got him? It's just going to open up so many other options for the other guys on this team. Yeah. And they performed, as you just laid out in all those numbers you did, admirably uh, with, yeah. in his absence last year. Um, I mean, they were as efficient as they could possibly have been. They just didn't have that deep threat to, to make it all work. And I think he is that guy, and you throw Schwartz in there as a rookie to take some of that heat off of him. Uh, I think his presence this year uh, very well could be the difference between, you know, uh, 12 and five and a second round loss and knock on wood going a lot further than that. Yeah. You're not going to, to add to what you're saying, it's going to be really tough for defenses to play cover one against the Browns this year, single high safety press coverage on the outside. How are you going to do that with Landry and Joku Hooper Schwartz Felton in the slot? Maybe there's just too much talent to play press man against that offense. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, He's he's only get, I think he's gonna have a big year. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. say that's. Oh, I think he's gonna have a huge year. I think year. he's going yeah. to. I, I mean, that Instagram video of him running, I, I get it's Instagram. He's running on the treadmill, but I, I mean, I could take steroids for 30 years and train for 30 years and be <laughs> one tenth as fast as he is. You know, it's he, he's a ridiculously talented football player, and I think that's kind of in the back of people's minds now instead of the front of your minds is how talented he actually is, because you everybody goes back to that 2019 season where it was just. It was horrendous across the board. And he was hurt, we found out at the end of the year. He was hurt the whole year. Um, 2021 is going to be special for him, I think. I'm I'm not saying he's going to be put up 110 catches, but get him 80 for 1,200 and seven touchdowns, that's a great season. Mm -hmm. Yep. And guys, uh, anyone watching and chatting, actually you two too, I'm I'm, I'm having internet issues right now. I've been having them for about a half hour or so, so I apologize for that. Um, I don't know if I can. Am I able to leave this and the stream will keep going? I think is that a thing? Steve? I don't think so. Since you're the one hosting, uh, your, your computer is the home machine for tonight's broadcast. So I don't. I don't uh, think they can. Yeah, I think I need to reset my router, but I guess we're gonna have to power through it. Um, I apologize, all the listeners. I just realized that I've been uh, lagging like crazy, and I see the little connection there for me is unstable it says i don't know what's going on well I, yeah, I you're you clearly i hear you clearly it's just your frame freezes every once in a while yeah, exactly talking, yeah yeah well that's good well i'm with you're, you you're yeah. lagging and cody's talking analytics so nobody understands what he's yeah, saying no, anyway. no nobody so, nobody yeah. I apologize <laughs> to the chat and the viewers uh <laughs> i don't think we can fix this midstream i think i know a reset of my router would do it but i don't think we can do that um okay so, uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you guys on OBJ. Uh, I I expect, get, get, just give me it. Stay healthy. That's all I ask, guy. And and I, I I love his dedication. I love where he's at. Uh, just you know, you know. So he's passionate, I, man. He's a passionate yeah, guy. He, he's a dog, he's a passionate man. Football player. He, re, he really passionate is. Person. Person yes. See, yeah. man, at the end of the day, I like OBJ's personality. I think he's oh, a very yeah. intelligent dude. I think he's just well spoke, sp- well spoken. Cat man, I, I just misunderstood I, maybe misunderstood Absolutely. a lot. Yeah. A very yeah. fast. He's actually at the end of the day, an extremely fascinating person. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, and I he I don't think he ever gets enough credit for that, honestly, because I think he is a very intellectually deep fascinating person at the end of the day but yeah and also he's only 28 years old i mean he you know as i said before some of it was 
probably his fault early on, especially in a market like New York where you can't get away with anything. You know, if he'd been in Minnesota or something, maybe some of that early years drama wouldn't have hit the airwaves because the New York media is just a whole other animal. But he's 28 years old now. He's, he's matured a little bit. He's been around the block a few times. He's, you know, so his side of it is going to come uh, come through more clearly as well. And to what you were saying before, Cody, uh, about, you know, correlation versus causation, we all said at this time last year, it takes time to learn Stefanski's offense. Give him four, five, six weeks. It's not going to be firing on all cylinders right out of the gate. And then everybody forgot about that, and they wanted it to be perfect at the beginning. Well, just about the time they were figuring it out, two things happened. Odell got hurt, and they went through monsoon season in Northeast Ohio. So, you know, the, the, the last eight games or whatever it was that everybody keeps talking about with Baker, I think they actually were ready to fire three or four games earlier than that. But losing Odell and the – that just unbelievable weather sort of held them back a few extra games there. So I think you're absolutely week? right. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. It was far more just coincidental timing than a causation thing when he went out. I completely yeah. agree. Uh, I think this was another part of that piece too, to, 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 talk, to keep talking about Beckham is that, do we think he'll be on the team next year? You know what I mean? Regardless of what happens this year, a great year or a bad year is, it's going to be hard for that team to spend $34 million at the position next year, right? I think both of them being back on their current number is wildly unlikely. Yeah. Now, sure. if they have a great year where they're, you know, in the Super Bowl or win it or something like that, or, you know, the AFC championship game and that kind of, and they're critical parts of it, maybe they do some, you know, restructuring things and because they think that the two of them are just absolutely critical to the team's success. I don't know, maybe, but both of them coming back on their current number, I'd be stunned. I'd be Clark Griswold head sewn to the carpet, stunned if that happened next year. Now, if you ask me to pick one on their current number, I think it leans Odell just because yeah. his skill set is top of the league. And if you have to make a hard choice – I'm not saying I want Jarvis gone. I'm not a Jarvis hater. Please don't start with that stuff. Uh, take that to Pete. He he loves that stuff. <laughs> um, say that. <laughs> but if you ask me to pick just one that I think would be more likely to come back on their current number, I'm going to say Odell. I agree. I, I think it's an either either or situation next year. Um, there, there's no way they're going to pay that much. We've seen them invest not sizable assets, but some assets at the position. Mm-hmm. We got DPJ. Schwartz, uh, Higgins on a small co- uh, returning contract, Hodge on a tender offer, nothing crazy, but they're bringing some guys in to, to, to maybe um, lessen the, 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 the hit of those guys not being on the team in the future. But mm-hmm. I'm definitely with you that I think if it's one of the two, it's, it's got to be OBJ. Not, I'm not a Landry hater either. I love what he brings to the table, but their skill sets are completely different on the football mm-hmm. field, and Beckham's is far and above better. I just can't wait to see that can feel. I am yeah. curious, though. I want to. I want to ask you, Cody. Uh, maybe this is something you could write on because this might be something right up your alley. We we all heard about Jarvis since we brought him up. Lost the eighteen pounds or the twenty pounds or whatever. And I'm curious to see if that gives him some of that shiftiness back that he had yeah. earlier in his career. You know, if it, part of his huge value was he can take a seven yard pass, make the first guy miss, and turn it into a twelve yard game on a on a pretty regular basis. And that's sort of been, you know, it wasn't as much last year. So if he gets that back um, and I, I, maybe that's something you could dive into, you know, how many times did he make the first guy miss? How many extra, you know, um, 
last two years versus the first yeah. five years, that kind of stuff. That's it seems like that'd be right up your alley. Well, I know if I looked into the four, I was it was like the first three or four years of their of their careers. Beckham and Landry were both top ten in yak. And mm-hmm. right, and and now just like you said, we haven't seen that, right? Especially from Landry. And he's got a little bit of the drops last year. I'm not sure what was going with that. Mm-hmm. Could be the injuries. I mean, he was playing with Right. A whole slew of injuries across the season. He's and they, a warrior. And he's a warrior. He's he, both very passionate warrior-style football players that you want on your team. Uh, but, yeah, that, that should be interesting to write up. That's a good idea. Sure. Yeah, I'm not, sorry. I, I can barely – you guys, my internet is breaking out right now. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I cut just the very last second of that. <laughs> it's, it's definitely on my end. Um do you I want to don't... send me the five random ass questions? Yeah, um, yeah. Let me let me do that. Well, I, I think, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I honestly, what would be best if if I, I wish I could reset my stuff. I wish Ian was here. I wish our producer was here. <laughs> I wish our producer was here to answer questions. I actually messaged him this morning. And he never got back to me. Um, <laughs> he doesn't like you. He told me. No, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, I'm trying to figure. I'm sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little thrown right now. Um, uh, we can try to get through them. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, we're we're getting towards the end. Have you guys any any final thoughts on uh, OBJ and what they're from him in this upcoming season? I don't think so. Yeah. Gonna have a huge I'm, year. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna have a big fucking year, man. And I'm just excited for it. All right, I've got. Five, okay, Cody. This is uh, whenever I have a new guest on the show or a first time guest on the show, I like to do a little segment called Five Random Ass Questions. Right? Just ask you five random ass things, man. Like it could be about the Browns, it might not be about the Browns. Uh, I tend to throw movie questions in there, music questions, whatever. It could be about my alley. food, all of it. <laughs> um, first question would be, um, Actually, Stephen, I will let you fire up this. You kind of came up with it. Um, go for it, man. All right, yeah. Since uh, since Revenge of the Nerds was uh, released 37 years ago today, and you are affectionately known as our nerd uh, in the analytics department here, it, which tri-lamb are you most like? If you were one of the lambda, lambda, lambdas, which one do you think you are? It's got to be. And keep in mind, it's, it's, we've seen you dance. <laughs> So you can't be Poindexter. Uh, moves like Jaggers. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got to be Skolnick, right? So, okay. so Skolnick, he, he was the guy, if I remember correctly, I haven't seen Revenge of the Nerds for a while. He was the guy that didn't think he was a nerd at first, right? And then slowly realized his um, his nerdiness. And he got the girl, if I remember right. Correct? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Skolnick for sure, because he gets the girl. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. That's a good. All that right. was a good one. That was number one. I like that one, man. That's what I had. Number one. All right, number two. Um, I'm a huge Martin Scorsese fan, and I've gauged that you are as well, Cody. Uh, rank these Martin Scorsese films as your favorites. Okay. Goodfellas, Casino, and The Departed. Oof. Almost that order. I'd say Goodfellas one, Departed two, Casino three. Um, yeah. I want to put Departed one. I'm a huge Departed fan, uh, but I gotta have Goodfellas number one. It's actually every time my father and I, I hang out, we pretty much quote that for 30 minutes every time we watch it. Every time it's on, <laughs> that's a special movie. That's that's. Mm. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll take that out of Casino's good. I'm not a huge casino guy. I See, like I it. I, I love, don't love it. See, yeah. I I love casino. I would probably rank good. I would probably go Goodfellas, Casino, and Departed, and I love all three. Yeah. But what's funny is I I I, I would put Goodfellas ahead of Casino, but I I actually do enjoy as as much. He even won the Oscar for Goodfellas for Best Supporting Actor, that being Joe Pesci. I even enjoy his performance at Casino even more because I feel yeah, like I'll, you get more of him. You know? I think Pesci is better in Casino. I agree with that. Yeah, he's and what's crazy yeah. is he won the Oscar for Goodfellas. That's the crazy part about that. Must have been right. down here. Well, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> like we say every time you do one of these style questions. I mean, what's your favorite ice cream or ice cream? I mean, there, yeah. there's really no, uh, there's no wrong answer. Here. Yeah, the third really is not. still is one of the best movies of all time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 Parted, great casinos. Great. I love all three. All so right, I actually number... have a, I'll, I'll, I go ahead. You. No, I go actually, ahead. I keep an IMDb list and write of like my own movie ratings and i think goodfellas and departed are two of the only movies i've ever given a 10 to those are both oh, on that list i like it the, yeah those are two 10 movies yeah uh, on, on well, my that and dude where's my car those are my three right there well, obviously yeah cinematic classic <laughs> <laughs> all right number three this is a uh this is a basic ish question but we're gonna ask it anyway favorite brown's childhood memory man mm. it's something that actually we just came on twitter maybe it was last week or so it was the couch the couch hell mary oh gosh against that. the for, saints that's against the saints for, for, right for the saints yeah those that was the yeah. first win yes it was back In from 99. the return right 99 yeah. so yeah i was yeah i was 12 years old don't punch me i was 12 years old at the time <laughs> i was watching the game at a friend's house and i remember just standing up and screaming because couch he's he's my not to get ahead of anything later he's my all-time sure. favorite brown is tim couch my first favorite player with the team was Tim Couch. Yeah. Uh, I have his jersey somewhere around the house. But uh, I remember my calling my stepdad, and we were just, like, yelling at each other on the phone, just so excited because, you know, and they left. It was just utter heartbreak. Even for me as a small kid, I, I got sure. it because I was born into the fandom of being a Browns fan, not having them for a few years. I became a Lions fan for some god <laughs> unknown reason. I don't know why. I guess I wanted more heartbreak in my life <laughs> with Scott Mitchell or Barry Sanders was cool, but, um, but yeah, that was my, that's my favorite childhood memory of the Browns. I favorite overall memory is, is the Baker uh, Baker's first game back. Oh, the Baker's, yeah. Baker's first, well, top two was Baker's first game. He came in. I was at that game where they got the win yep. that season. Against and the then Jets, right? Against the Jets, the, the, yep. that game. And then last year's, um, Last year's playoff victory over the Steelers. Those oh, ones. yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. All right. I like those answers, man. All right. Number four. If you could go back in a time machine and attend any sporting event in history, what would it be? And it True. doesn't have to be – you could just even say, like, like I would love to, like, go to any Yankee game, like, in the 20s. Like, that would be, like, one answer. Yeah. You'd see, you know, see Ruth and Garrick and all that. I, I was kind of leaning back to that. Uh, yeah, see. probably that age of baseball. Would you get the the Babe Ruth, Gehrig time? What was that Murderers Row? Was that what they were called? Yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. team of the Yankees. Yeah. Pretty good lineup. That, they were okay. <laughs> like, those guys could hit a baseball, I guess. Yeah, uh, that would be in there. The Jordan years, maybe see one of the Bulls championship games. Um, sure, I'm not a big Jordan guy. I respect the hell out of what he did. And obviously, the best of all time 
argument. He made eight-year-old Andy cry like a baby when he hit the shot. So I don't want to. I'm sure that. (laughs) Screw that guy. What what a monster! Who makes little kids cry? (laughs) Right, right. That's a really tough question. Uh, Maybe the '50s with the Jim Brown era. Seeing one of those championships would probably be up there just to live through that. Sure. Um, That'd probably be it. I like it. Yeah. All right. For me? Yeah. What about you? Miracle on ice, and it's not close. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. No, and, and that's not saying all the rest of that I wouldn't like to see. I would love to go sure. back and see the Browns win the championship. I would love to go yeah. back and see, you know, some of those Notre Dame this, teams from, you know, before I was born when Notre Dame was Notre Dame, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you just one, one, mm-hmm. for me, it's miracle on ice every single yeah. time this question comes up. Yeah, well, like you're a patriot. It. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You are. All right, number five. All right. If you could have a burger and a beer with any of these former Browns GMs, who would it be? Oh, God. <laughs> Ray Farmer, Mike Lombardi, or George Kokinas, who was on the job for only eight months, but he, he made his mark uh, on, on the organization, let me tell you. Literally. Okay. Allegedly. Before I answer... Will Kakinas give me the story? Will he tell me the whole story over the, I mean, over the burger and the beer? If you buy him enough beers and the burgers are delish, I don't see why not. It was Lombardi and, and, and Farmer. Farmer, oh, yes. If you could have it's, a burger okay, and a beer with I'm any of these farmer. farmer, okay, tell me so why I just Farmer. Know what the hell happened in, in that in in his draft classes what what was going through your mind those years <laughs> what Steven, you weren't a fan of Jamora Slaughter <laughs> not necessarily you weren't a, you weren't a fan of Leon Mc... was Slaughter Notre Dame? yes he was yes. and he was good at Notre Dame too yeah and he was I, very good at Notre Dame and if i'm not yeah. mistaken he took Leon McFadden right in front of the honey badger oh right? he, he was screaming. did he did and, and then you know, the whole time you're baby. eating with him he'd be texting we know that he so. would be yes. he'd be texting Shanahan probably or somebody that <laughs> uh yeah i mean steven and andy you guys could have just thrown darts at a, at a dartboard and made better picks during his draft classes it's just that'd be the guy just to talk to him sure no disrespect to you ray no disrespect yeah i i would probably say coquinas just because i'd be like bro what happened man <laughs> let us know, we what the hell? know. eight nine months of the job all these rumors what happened yeah. <laughs> steven who are you picking out of those man who are you gonna have a burger and a beer with um yeah, probably farmer. I guess. Steve's uh, a really nice dude, by the way. He does really, yeah, absolutely. I think he, he was. He was under. Can I just keep my money and go to a movie by myself or something yeah. like that? Can I do that instead? Yeah, we'll sure. have burgers and beer together. Yeah, sure. can I go there with Cody? Go. There you go. There you <laughs> go. More fun. Yeah, I think you know whether you're you know obviously Ray didn't have the most success. Um, I mean, he had a draft where he had. You know, Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel in the same draft. However, you know, I think I think we all could agree. I don't know if if it was all Ray's call on Johnny Manziel. Right. Uh, you, you know, um, which could be part of the conversation. Yeah. Did and you should... actually make those picks? Yeah. I think I would probably just sit across the table from him for the entire time and just repeat the words Vince Mail over and over and over <laughs> just to see what he said. Poor <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. Ray. <laughs> Wait, did, didn't Justin Gilbert? He didn't even visit the team, right? 
Um, like he wasn't. A, that's a, the rumor. A, yeah, they didn't even meet with him. Ray, yeah. Ray, Ray Nor, Ray Nor Petten, because that was Petten at the time. Uh, Farmer Nor Petten met him allegedly. Never spoke with him. Met him at all before that pick. Yeah, I do yeah. love Petten though. As I a coordinator, yeah. I think he's perfect in what he's doing right now. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah, but not as the head coach. No, Even I though like he got Pettin. a lot out of Hoyer and that whole year and all that stuff. Was, I mean, if, yeah. if we're all being real here, I mean, Petten and Petten and uh, Farmer were both set up to fail in that regime. I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, that's all I have for the five random ass questions. Um, but uh, this has been a lot of fun, Cody. Are you going to keep hanging out with us tonight? Yeah, probably have another fifteen minutes or so. Jake, yeah, cool. On. Yeah, Jake will be coming on soon. We can. Uh, we're gonna talk about um, if I'm gonna fight through. I swear, man, I'm tempted to end this broadcast and reset my router. Gosh, <laughs> it's bothering me. You my anxiety. It's improved in the last five minutes. Well, yeah. that's good. What? Well, how was the sound the whole time? Fine. A little yeah, laggy. I didn't really notice anything. But fine. Yeah. Okay. By the way, Jake just texted me. Apparently, the uh, two foot terrorist that lives in his house is uh, throwing a, uh, a a bedtime coup. So he's yeah. going to be delayed just a few minutes here. Anybody who's ever parented a toddler knows exactly what I'm talking about. People say, oh, I have a toddler. No, a toddler has you. That That's the way that <laughs> yes. works. You that know? Is, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My kids are uh, six and four. So we've recently been through that battle, but we're in good shape now, thankfully. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. All right, Cody, and I want I want you to give me the 2021 Browns regular season record. And I want it to set in stone, and I want I want to give you. I, I'm a homer. I went 14 and three when we did this oh. weeks back. Oh, I'm nice. a homer, man. I don't give it. I don't give a damn. Now this is the <laughs> official, officially official. Somebody's gonna yeah. attack me on Twitter. Yeah, or absolutely. You, can, you can't and... change. This is etched we're holding in stone, you to man. this. You know, in January we're gonna have an entire pod with you about this to make you defend why you were wrong. Absolutely. Right, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm gonna go 11 and six. 11 and six. I'm 11 like and six, but I think that will. Will that win the division? I think that'll win the division this year. I'm going to say 11 and 6, 12, 5. As crazy as that sounds. No, I'm backtracking. I'm going to backtrack. It's 12 and 5, win the division at 12 and 5. You that's heard it my, here, folks. The that's my going, official. Going 12 5. You heard it here. Yeah, I, um, I would say, yeah, I'm a homer. So, yeah, I went 14 and 3. Uh, uh, but I, I think Fred, Fred Greetham said this, our own our own Fred Greetham, our beat reporter here at the uh, OBR. The legend. The legend himself. He said, you know what? At the end of the day, it don't matter what the record is. They just got to win the division. And, mm -hmm. I, and I agree with I, I agree with Fred. To, to me, we can talk about records. We can talk about this. We can talk about that. We can talk about group battles. But really, if we're talking about this upcoming season, to me, one one just with, they've never won the North. That is crazy to me. They have never won the North. It was the Central, right? The last time that they won the division yeah, was when, it was. when Houston – yeah, at the time was it was in the division, yeah, and that yes. was before. That was Steelers, Bengals, Oilers, Browns, right? Was that the central? Yes, yes. correct. Yes, it was. Yeah, that's uh, that's going back, think, man. We talk about records, not to get off topic. I think a lot of people might be sleeping on the Steelers a little bit, in my opinion. Really, I know I live in Pittsburgh, so I get all of that shit. He's coming, coming at me constantly, <laughs> but. Uh, that defense is still to keep them in the game. You know, they, oh, sure. Melvin Ingram was a big get for them. 
Sure. I, I really, I really think so. And they got High Smith's going to develop into a good player. Um, not want to talk about the Steelers too much, obviously. Uh, but I think they're still a, a nine, nine win team this season, maybe above five hundred. Um, in Baltimore, I mean, obviously Baltimore's going to be a, sure. They're going to be a force. They, they, they only got better in the off season, I, I think, for the most part. Adding Bateman and they got Tylen Wallace too, didn't they? On the outside, mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins as well. I, if I remember correctly, guys I mean, with big catch radiuses, big catch radius guys, some moderate speed guys, high production guys in college, right. efficient guys in college with Wallace and uh, Bateman. You know, the Dobbins coming into his next year. There, Gus Edwards is a good back. There's, there's a lot to like about that team, but I hate them with a passion, but. Well, and both of those both of those franchises. The sad part is they're just you know from a Browns fan perspective. The sad part is they're just they have an unbelievable track record of refortifying and just cranking out guys that have good years because yeah. they they do things the right way. So I've said this here I think two weeks in a row. The Steelers, I'm I, I'm full Walking Dead with them. I think okay. they're going to be dead. But until you see the the, the Walker version, the character is not dead. So. And I, and I think you're right. The defense is going to keep them in the game. They're going to be – they're not as deep as they usually right. are. But the Steelers also have a history of taking, you know, just about anybody and turning them into a really good offensive lineman, taking just about anybody, and they're a tight end that catches 65 balls. You know, and you're like, who the hell is this guy? You know, and <laughs> they, just, they infuriate you because they just keep cranking out good players. So I, I – I'm with you in that I don't think they're going to like. So I've seen some people say, "Oh, they're going to suck. They're going to win four games." I can't get there until I see it. But I, I have a hard time seeing them as, on paper anyway, the same level threat as the Browns and the Ravens are as far as winning the division. I, I think they're clearly yeah. on paper the third team in the division. I get, yeah, on, I, agree. I get on, I get on page with that. Yeah, and they keep stealing our, all of our players, Stephen. I know. Absolutely. I know. High Smith. Oh, good grief. Absolutely. Kendrick Green. Oh, yeah. Guys we, guys we love in the draft, you know. Let's, let's get, let's well, get back to the Browns for a second on, on their record. Um, the home schedule is going to be a big part of the season for them. If we, if, we use, uh, if we use strength of schedule type things for this year, win projections for teams, uh, the home team, their home schedule has a 44% projected win percentage of opposing teams, whereas the, as the road's about 56%. So the home schedule for the team this year is is very favorable. They need to win a lot of those games to get to that twelve number figure. Sure, that's my little well, thing there. We brought in our friend here. Welcome in, Jake, and bear with me, Jake. I am having extreme internet issues tonight. I am lagging like crazy, but it's it's what you know. What are you gonna do? What are you, nothing what I can are, do. What are you? What, what are you gonna do? What What are you gonna do? What, what are you gonna do? Gonna do? Nothing to do. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Fresh haircut. Make sure we Jay? cut out this cut out this segment for uh for for a clip there. Ten seconds of what are you sure. gonna do? What are you yeah. gonna do? Oh, look, <laughs> look at oh thanks Amy. Let's see look at my look look at look at Amy. Lag is so bad. Probably more more you're probably right, Amy. You're probably hundred percent correct. It is bothering me very bad. Yeah, the lag isn't the part about you that's annoying. I, <laughs> yes. I agree with that for sure. I feel like that. the 10-second clip of Jake just saying, what are you going to do, might r- rival the JOK views from YouTube. <laughs> I think it's getting close. <laughs> well, we just asked yeah, Cody. We'll ask you, Jake. Uh, this mm-hmm. is it, your official uh, uh, record prediction here, uh, preseason record prediction for the team. 
like how they do in the preseason. Um, I hope they go zero and three. I hope they go zero and three. I hate winning in the preseason. I hate it. But I don't know. Cody, well, I'll go. I'll go one and two. One and two. That's Brian. Cody came in Brian. with me at twelve and five. He's he's got him twelve and five. Pretty much. Uh, that's where I am as well. Oh, you uh, said the regular season. Um, yeah. I will probably go because I think they've had some injury luck. I'm just going to play it on the safe side and go uh, probably 11 and six. Uh, I think they have enough talent to go 12 and five, maybe better. Um, but I think 11 and six, because, you know, I just think that they've had their key guys stay healthy for a couple of years outside of miles um, getting a little angry. Um, yeah. I mean, but, but I'm talking, I guess I'm talking like, I don't know. I guess Odell, I'm forgetting Odell. That's a little offensive, but um, the, the entire defensive secondary. Well, I would say the line, like the line. <laughs> I don't, I, but those guys weren't like, I, I guess I'm talking about their elite players now. I, I don't know, but, but whatever. I, yeah, yeah. 11 and six is what I'm going to say. Can't I really get it. With it. I think I 11 and six is fair. It's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a home. I guess I sound pretty stupid. Nick Chubb missed games last year. Wyatt Teller's really good. He missed games last year. Yeah, yeah they can play them all. Hey, but let's rewind and start again. Rewind and start again. Rewind healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> restart your router, like... Randy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's reset it. Um, maybe the uh, maybe the Cam Akers injury got me got me bothered or something. I don't know. I just <sighs> have this perpetual fear of seeing. Uh, and I know Grant Delpit was this last year, and I know that it kind of sunk everybody when that happened, but Grant wasn't yet kind of a stab. So I'm just like a really devastating injury. And Odell does fit. It's just, I guess, with the with the, the, the courtesy of hindsight, we could see that maybe they didn't skip much of a beat without Odell. They needed him sure. in certain points, but, you know, I'm worried about like Jack Conklin or I don't know. But again, they sure. lost White Teller. They lost, and they lost, they lost a lot of people. So. Uh, I think I guess I'm doing uh, a little bit of what you do Steve, with with Pittsburgh, which is what I've been talking about on my podcast forever, which is I need to see it. So for me to sit here and comfortably say the Browns are going to be 12 and five, that involves me just like getting to the state of mind where the Murphy's Law thing is completely gone from my Cleveland Browns right. enjoyment, which is everything, you know, you know, the can go wrong, will go wrong thing. It's just has always been there. They broke it last year, but I need to see it. I need it to be fried into my brain. Same with Pittsburgh. Like, those guys are going to be terrible. Well, can I see it before I, I say that? Because right. it's uh, it, it is a culture thing with Mike Tomlin. The guys never had yeah. a losing season, so no. Um, he, he you know, so who, just need who, to see who are the two guys, Jake? Not not to take Andy's spot here. I want to ask yeah. Jake a question if that's okay. Uh, no, go for it, Cody. Who would be the two guys that you you think that they they lose to injury that they couldn't recover from? Ooh, that's good. Uh, well, we'll We'll take Baker out because Baker's the obvious answer, and yeah. every quarterback is the obvious answer. Um, it's a very good question. Uh, Not to put you on the spot by any means. No, 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 no. I, I think their offensive line collectively is good enough that they can slide in one of them and be okay. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like if Jack Conklin gets hurt or like last year when Wyatt Teller got hurt, they were okay. Um, I mean, losing Miles would be terrible. He's got to be number one. Um, Cody just hit and ran us. Um, <laughs> um, I would say Miles is number one. It's for real. I think Harry, he's coming back. He just must have had a, his internet's failing. Uh, I would probably say it's early. We don't even know what this guy looks like in a Browns uniform. 
But I think if John Johnson got hurt, it could be pretty detrimental for what they plan to be defensively. So I would probably go with those two guys on defense. Obviously, they lose one of the running backs. They're going to be okay. Uh, I think that they can get by for a period of time. And their offensive line, if Chris Hubbard, caveat of Chris Hubbard coming back as a plug-and-play guy for a few weeks here and there, they can get by uh, for, for, for that role. But, yeah, I think those two guys defensively stand out to me. Yeah, I would probably – Miles Garrett for me. And, man, where they could not recover. Whew. That's a, that is, that's a – that's a they tough have question. Exactly. I would say they either, either John Johnson, uh, the other uh, the other guy I would throw in there would be Denzel. Yeah, I would probably go John Johnson and Miles Garrett. Uh, and I agree with you on John Johnson because I'm uh, I'm honestly not even completely. I, I think I think they could use another safety in that room right now, but uh, they could use another outside corner. But we're nitpicking at this point. Denzel's uh, definitely true. I I guess it's how long yeah. is Denzel out kind of thing. And two, sure. I I guess it's like the timing of said injury. Can we see if greedy's okay? Can we, can we, right. You know, if we lose Denzel in camp, for example, Steve, I would have panic, you know, like I would be like, okay, this corner room is now even more of a pressing need than we thought it was beforehand. So sure. um, maybe if you see greedy's fine and you see grant or you see um, Greg Newsom coming along fine and injury happens to Denzel, knock on wood, uh, happens like week five, you could be like, okay, they can get by for five or six weeks and then be okay eventually. But, yeah, that's a good question, guys, that they they couldn't go without. That is. And Cody's Cody's back when we have all answered, so he doesn't get to know what we said. I heard okay. I don't know what happened. I, I did, man. I was like, get this, this, this analytic nerd, get out of here. Uh, Dustin asked me what were my three losses. Uh, actually, I uh, we did that so episodes back. We played the uh, schedule game. When the schedule was released, I was joined by – Brittany Mollis and uh, Caitlin Marshall. And my three losses were Minnesota, Baltimore at Baltimore, and the Green Bay game. Those were my three losses. Depends on Aaron Rodgers, that's for sure. That's definitely, right. definitely. One million percent. Which gives now a little beer. One, one topic that actually we actually got some news to talk about today. Uh Baker Baker Mayfield had his camp for kids. Uh, pretty cool when players do stuff like this and they don't have to do things like this. Um, we 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 got some kind of cool things from Baker today, and one one thing I think it's it's kind of a I'm sure I'm not trying to make this a controversial topic. I'm not trying to make it a political topic. That's not what I'm doing here. Um, he did say he did talk about. I believe it was Jake Trot asked him about vaccinations and players getting vaccinated. Uh, he did say that he believes it is a competitive va- advantage for for teams with a higher volume of players vaccinated. Um, I, it's cool to see him come out and say that, and I 100% agree with him with with the protocols that uh, non vaccinated players are going to have to follow. It's 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 you know it's going to be uh it's going to be an interesting year to see because I I know. Every NFL fan, you should hope your players are vaccinated because less chance they're going to miss time. So, what did you, uh, Jake? We just brought you in. We'll start with you. You you write about Baker all the time. Um, what did you take away from his comments today? Well, I, listen. I don't care if I offend people. I think you should get vaccinated. I just don't, sure you should care. You should care about the people next to you. I understand that not everything's perfect about the vaccine, but there's less 
issue with the vaccine than there is with the disease that's going around. So again, if you want to have your own opinion on it, I'm not going to argue with you. That's not my goal. Um, if you even set aside that stuff, uh, I think that you can look at it the way Baker is, which is this is best for the team. It's got less restrictions for our team. Right. We need to do the things that help us keep our guys in the field. The contact tracing goes away. There are many things about this whole thing that goes away. Um, you know, that, that, that automatically help your defense or geez, automatically help your whole team get better. It's like staying yeah. with, a better chance of collectively staying on the field, staying healthier. That's the biggest thing, staying healthier. Sure. And that's huge. So again, I think everybody should get vaccinated. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, but, but if you set aside even that kind of stuff, the personal opinion of it, and again, I know my opinion might not be the same as yours. That's fine. I, you can have your own area about that and have your own feelings and your own, uh, central idea about it. But I, I just think people should be vaccinated because it helps folks, especially, you know, you're helping folks in a generation that are older than you. So, um, and I think that's a big part of what Baker was talking about today. It's the right thing to do for, for humanity and, and all the above. So I loved it. I think it's the right way to go about this thing. Um, because it helps his football team and it helps the people around him. And um, I think it's great. I just think I loved hearing it from him and I love that whole approach and, and the way he handled the conversation. It was, it was beautifully done. And, and it, to me, it continues the trend with Baker, which is yeah. um, him, him saying all the right things and, and acting in a mature fashion as, as, he, as he continues to progress in his career. Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. And I think the key uh, point, from a football standpoint, which obviously when you're talking about, you know, how many people have died and gotten sick and all that other stuff, football is really yeah. unimportant in the grand scheme of this. But if you want to look at it just from the football standpoint, right? if nothing else, it's one less variable that you have to worry about. It's one less thing that's yes. out of your control, you know, as a fan or as a teammate or whatever that can cost you a game or cost you you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's one less thing to worry about. So yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. you okay. As, as the quarterback of your team, you're the leader. You set the example for the whole team, generally speaking. Okay. So throw all the political stuff out the window, like Jake said, you got to put your team in the best position to succeed of with a multitude of variables coming at you all season. This should be the common sense approach. Get vaccinated. Take the, um, even more added pressure off your team by doing it. Okay. The NFL has set strict protocols on purpose to make sure that players and teams are getting vaccinated. They have their certain and these thresholds protocols that are you have insane. to hit. Yes, yes. They're very strict for a reason. So I'm not going to do like the same thing with Jake. I'm not going to be political about it. He set the example. It was the right example. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, and I, I'm proud of what he said this morning. I was too. I was too. I definitely. It was. It was. It was like you just. You just nailed it. You, you nailed it. The the quarter. He's he's the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, and he's the leader of the Cleveland Browns. And you know, I I almost partly take that as a message to maybe some players on the team who aren't vaccinated. Um, and that's a good way to do it. He didn't. You know, he wasn't calling anyone out by name. He didn't do didn't do anything like because I'm because I'm sure. I'm sure that there are players on the Browns right now that aren't vaccinated. What are we hearing? I, 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 it seems like it's in the 80 plus range. Is, is that kind of what we're, we've been hearing? That it's 80 some players that are vaccinated. 80, Do we even 85 percent the threshold? Is that what it is? Yeah, the minimum I think requirement. I think, yeah, I think they're pretty close to that number from yeah. everything um, I've heard. I saw a lot of 
Bills fans replying to Trotter's tweet about Baker that he set the example that they wish somebody on their team would set. So I don't know what's sure. going on with Buffalo. I don't know if it's something Josh Allen related or something like that, but that was another interesting tidbit. I noticed it's tied. It's tied Baker's to Cole video. Beasley. Cole Beasley's been pretty Cole Beasley, vocal about yes. it. And listen, yeah. John, you can't you can't run from it. John Johnson just posted something on his story the other day about the vaccination and needing. Why do you Why do you need uh, something um, if you if you Why do you need to advertise it if it's something that you need? They got to have. They got. Hopefully, the what can happen is these guys can sit down and have have legitimate conversations. And I think the Browns yeah. are in an advantage. They're they're at an advantage because. J.C. Treader's very tied into the research, the data, what it's actually telling you. If you if you're a person who says, "I want to hear from the science," I need to, you know, I need to understand it X, Y, and Z. They don't have anyone better to do that than than J.C. because he can be. He is the resource for information on all of this. Not just because he's a smart guy, but because he's he's the one doling out information from the NFLPA, and that's how it's going to go. So what I would hope can happen is again, there are going to be different differing opinions on everything in life always going to happen this this vaccine yeah. is no different and there's going to be floating theories there always have been about everything and the thing is the floating theories are easier to find they're easier to find because sure. you can get information anywhere and that's why you have to advertise that this is the right thing to do because you have to fight disinformation it's pretty simple to me you have to fight disinformation so if that's the case i hope that john can sit down and come to an understanding and if john doesn't want to do it again I don't agree with that, but if he doesn't want to do it, it doesn't make him a criminal or the worst person in the world. No, but it, but it does mean that he needs to do and and it, be in a total lockdown. He needs to be in a lockdown. He can't go out. He can't do any of the normal things because if he gets if he gets around that, they trace to somebody around him. He's out, and it's not a question, and it's 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 lockdown city for him. So what I hope they can do is find a middle ground with those guys who aren't gonna who aren't gonna do it. There's just people who aren't gonna do it. And I hope they can find the, the right path to keeping those guys on the field and keeping them healthy. I, I think that's what the NFL is trying to do with some of this stuff. So, um, you know, John, I, I would just hope John has an open mind about it. He seems like a very intelligent dude to me in that's, every conversation he has, yeah. every interview, he's mic'd up, all of it. I think he seems smart. I Again, some people don't want to just fall in line to fall in line, but when you get shown the things that need to be shown to you, can you understand them and then change your opinion based on things that are presented to you. I'm sure some of those conversations will happen. We'll see if that takes place. And if it doesn't, from a sheer football standpoint, I just hope John is smart about it. I don't think he missed any COVID time last year uh, with his team in, in L.A., so I think he knows what he'll have to do. If he's willing to accept those strict protocols and be very smart about it, I guess that's. I guess it's okay. It's just it's his choice. Yeah, you know, I'll add to, add to what Jake said too. It's it's like you said, but it's not necessarily him. It's the trickle down effect from him not getting it right. So if he let's say he con comes in contact with somebody with COVID, all of a sudden the contact tracing is done. The Browns are out six starters, just like they were last year. That's what like it comes down game. to. Yeah, like the Jets game where now we're going to lose to an inferior team because half the lineup's not playing. You know yeah, I mean it's it's it. You have to take that approach, and you can't. We're missing an entire wide receiver room that game. We lost our head coach for, for the first play for for a game. You know what I mean? It's just I'm going to use the word selfish. Just don't be selfish. You have to be a team player. And if that's he does, all, like if he I'll doesn't say. get if he doesn't get it, he just can't be in the locker room with other guys. There's a lot of things. He'll yep. just be, yeah. in, which sucks because he's a guy you want to rub off on other people all the time. So he'll he's a be central green dot guy. He's, yeah, he is. He's the, he's the dude, man. So like that's a big. It's not, a bit, it's not the end of the world. He can be fine, but it does put more stress than 
is necessary. There's no doubt about that. It puts more stress on the situation than is necessary. It can still ultimately be okay. I'm not here to cause panic. I'm not here to yeah. tell people John Johnson's an idiot or he's he's a moron. No. He should never. No, like, I mean, I'm just saying it puts stress on him specifically, and it takes away from some of the things I think make John great, which is his leadership and being around the locker room all the time because, like, he can't be in the same, uh, uh, you know, heating pool as everybody else. He can't do a whole bunch of things. If you go back and read the restrictions, they're really alienated, man, and they, they're out on their yeah. own. They get tested every single day, and they, they can't go out. They can't do anything. So nope. if he wants to deal with that, I guess whatever, man. If you're not going to change your mind on it, then that's that. Just whatever. Make sure you're there on Sundays. That's it. That's yeah, kind of all, it. All, I mean, like at the end of the day, like you know, obviously I, I'm with you, Jake. I think we, I think everyone should get vaccinated. And I, and look, I'm not going to argue with people who don't want to. But you know, after he posts this, I, I, you know, we're not the only ones that saw this. You know, Stefanski and the Browns <laughs> obviously saw it too. And I, when that, when they have that conversation, there's nothing wrong with John Johnson asking questions about it, you know, in, in, in inquiring about it. That's good. You should ask questions. You shouldn't just run out and take a vaccine without doing your research, without asking questions. So I, you know, I hope we, I, I got to believe that that conversation, if it already hasn't happened, will happen very soon between John Johnson, the third and whoever it needs to happen with, with the Browns organization. So um, at the end of the day, questions, there's nothing wrong with asking questions about, it, I guess is what I'm saying. So I, you know, at the end of the day, I want every Browns player to be vaccinated. So I don't got to worry about any, any breakout of, of COVID again, like Cody brought up. So Cody, I know you look like you want to chime in with something. Go for it, man. Uh, you look, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I was a bad read, man. I, I had it. No, see, I had something. But that's I, why I was. I was always. I always thought I was a good poker player, but apparently not. I'm well, can we move on to something incredibly important uh, over in the comments? Uh, Barking Brown's uh, comment about, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I find it difficult to argue with him that this is the sexiest right there. Uh, yeah, go ahead, argue. I, I mean, you know, the science is settled on this one. It is for sure. Yeah, is I know. I think Jake's got a fresh haircut or something. It's just. Mm-hmm. He, he looks stands. good. He does look good. Just, you you, get, you get new lighting in the stream. Beard's coming good, in. Yeah. Just, you, look, you look good. I'm just, I see I'm, just, I'm just balding. It's uh, a <laughs> alley. This is your future, bud. Just pushing, right here. Just pushing my the, hair over. The four of us, and all I hear in my head is uh, the song from the Full Monty. You know, that's all I hear. I believe in miracles. So. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to one of our last segments. Uh, Cody, you're more than welcome to hang around with us. I don't know if you have a list or not, but uh, we were going to rank our top five favorite Browns players, man, of all time. Of all time. Let me go last. Let me go last. All right. You go I last. I make a cool, caveat. I, I can't yeah. include anybody before I was born. And really, I for me – sure. I was too young to even fall like have a have a guy I love loved like with with remembering it sure. before they even left. So everything for me is post nineteen ninety nine. I respect the grades of the franchise. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just kind of no, like fine. when I was. We're a not fan. judging. No, I I, yeah. I open these. You close the eighties, bro. It works. It works. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake. We'll we'll start with you. Uh, number five. We'll just go. We'll go around. Um, number five for me is Dennis Northcutt. I just thought he was a hell of Woo! a lot of fun. Um, I, I just, a guy who overachieved. I, I really enjoyed his time in Cleveland. I know he had a, a, a pretty memorable drop in a playoff game, but he mm. produced, he mm. played his butt off. He was undersized, he, but he was fast. 
He was one of the first times. I mean, him and him and KJ, man, I just remember those guys being a lot of fun. And I thought that we were always going to get really good receivers in Cleveland. And then I was like, uh, okay, where'd they all go? And and I didn't see them for a long <laughs> and, time. So and I, um, I will say this, and a very attractive young man, he made one of the lists. We ranked the top five sexiest Browns since 99. I believe he made Caitlin Marshall's list, if I'm remembering correctly. Very sexy individual. <laughs> good for her. <laughs> yeah, just to add she that to pick. it. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did. Steven, number five. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you on Northcutt. It's sad Beans. that he's he's only remembered for that drop because he yeah. was reliable. It was so out of character for him, and it was just yeah. it was so frustrating for me. Uh, my number five, actually, since I'm the uh, senior citizen of the group, he's he's the only guy from the post '99 area since, area since the return, uh, and that's uh, that's Miles. Miles is my number five all time favorite because I think he's been here long enough to qualify for that Baker's on his way to making this list, but I just don't think he's been here long enough to qualify for an all time list uh, for somebody my age anyway. Yeah. You know? So I would say miles because I think he has a chance to be the best edge in team history. If he's not in that discussion already, you know, if he keeps yeah. up what he's been doing, he's on a pace that's uh, there's no other word, but torrid. So yeah. yeah, miles is definitely there. And he was the first piece of this team, yeah. of this build. He was the first important piece of this build uh, during the Sashi Brown era. So that's my number five. Okay. Um, I've always loved pass rushers, and I've always wanted the Browns to have a franchise pass rusher. And he's my number five as well, Stephen. How about that? He is my number five as well. It's pretty uh, – he's, he's my favorite current Brown. Um, I like the human being. I find him, and he's another one I just think is an interesting person. Fascinating. Uh, very fascinating human being. Um, he's a very sweet human being as well. So, not many men can wreck quarterbacks. Like, there ain't make, there ain't no problem whatsoever. So, yep, Miles Garrett, number five for me. Cody, Red. Yeah, this was a tough one. Uh, it's kind of an oddball. Jordan Cameron. Dude, I – he was my number one, uh, my sexiest Browns list. He was my number one. Man. He was my <laughs> number one. Guy. That's, a, that's, a hand, that's a handsome mother effort, man. All right, go ahead. Yeah, he, I, he was just one of those guys that really stood out to me at the time. He was had a couple good seasons, one really good season, if I remember correctly. I tied in. Um, I was always a big fan of him. I I don't know why, but he's, he's my number five. It was, it was down to Jordan Cameron or Eric Metcalf for my five spot. Mm. And I, and I oh, gave it to Cameron, even though Matt Calf was the first jersey I ever owned, rather Browns yeah. player. Uh, it, it was Cameron for number five for me. It's going it. to be like Jake's. It's going to be a lot of modern guys because I've already. No, age. that's a, no worries, man. Jake, number four. Um, I was torn with number five because I almost put Courtney. I should make it like my my caveat was Courtney Brown. I just loved Courtney Brown when I was sure. young. Sure, I was just like this dude's going to be so good. He was so good his rookie year, yeah. and then. Tears his knee well, up. Well, and, what 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 Miles Garrett is now is what we all thought Courtney Brown could yeah, be. There's yeah. no doubt. Miles is on my list. He's higher. Uh, I have number four is Joe Hayden. I just really like Joe Hayden in the yeah. prime of my high, the prime of my high school years. Uh, I just really liked Love how Joe. he played. He was challenging, and he was fun when he was paired with uh, um, Ward. What was his name? I'm forgetting. TJ Ward. Yeah, Ward. yeah. Ward. those yeah. two. Those two played a fun brand together. There was really, I mean, offense had a bunch of flash guys and, and Braylon and, and DA and, and Jamal and, and some of those circles. But I just, Joe Hayden from that era always, 
really stands out to me, and I really liked how Joe played, and I just hate how it ended. And I hate that of all places he could have gone, he goes to Pittsburgh and finds success there for as long now as he's found success. But I, I really like Joe. That's a good one, man. I, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of Joe Hayden. Still am. Still am. Uh, Steven, number? Uh, well, just to quickly, Cody, you mentioned uh, Eric Metcalf. He was – I went back and forth and back and forth. He's he's my number six. How do you leave him off, you know? But, yeah. I mean, yeah. but, I mean, it was just that there was an overload because my number four, you know, again, being the old guy, is the, is the wizard, uh, Ozzie Newsom. Uh, yeah. because I, good player. cardiac kids were the first year that I like really remember everything. You know, I remember some games from earlier than that, but that was the first, and obviously it was such a historic year and a memorable year in Cleveland and all that kind of stuff. And he was a youngster then. Um, and he was there for all of the, the eighties heartbreak and, and all that stuff. And he was just, he was him and Kellen Winslow. And there's some people out there that probably don't remember this name. Todd Christensen were, uh, the, but they battled, for the top, for the Pro Bowl nod from the AFC every single year. And I would always get upset when Christensen would beat him out because Christensen was far more, he leaned more heavily towards the reception side, whereas Ozzie was a damn good blocker as well as being about as sticky oh. figure of a, of a tight end as I've ever seen. Um, so he was there for a long time. He was a loyal Brown. It broke my heart that he went with the team. I get it. I understand he went to Baltimore. Yeah. He found great success there and all that kind of stuff. I, I understand all that. But as a fan, it just broke my heart seeing him yeah. in those colors because I think in my heart he'll always be a Cleveland Brown. But there's me my too. number four, the Wizard of Oz. Me too, buddy. And I, I want to say you, – you can correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say there was a point in his career at, towards the end – where he was like fifth all time in NFL receptions, is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Was he was high up. I know he had a long streak. He had like a hundred and something consecutive games yeah. for the catch or something ridiculous. Isn't like he the Browns all time leading receiver? Uh, he might probably. be. Is he that, probably. So. Is. Well, he yeah. he was he was the all time leading receiver for tight ends and receptions for a good. Uh, for, I'm pretty sure for a good while until mm -hmm. the yeah. until the generations of Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates and well, the all games changed. Yeah. And the positions yeah. changed tremendously. So. David and Joku. You know. yeah. 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 That guy too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. My number four is a 80s Brown. Uh, my favorite one of, actually yeah, probably my favorite defensive player of all time, Clay Matthews. Um, guy just did everything well. Uh, he he could rush the passer. He could drop in coverage. He could tackle. He could he could he just had great instincts. Um, I've always liked linebackers too. Um, always had a thing for him. I don't know why. I don't know. It sounded weird, but I I just <laughs> love always loved Clay Matthews. He's my number four. I think it's uh, I think it's kind of self explanatory to why. Uh, Co or uh, Cody, yeah, you're number four, bud. Same as Jake. I have Joe Hayden at four. Um, Love Joe Hayden. For the same reasons, great football player. He did a lot for the community, too. Very mm -hmm. active around Cleveland and, and, and the city, yeah. and, and urban environment, and all that stuff. Um, obviously, hate that he went to Pittsburgh, but he, it's all right. Still still appreciate all that he did for, for the Browns, especially for the time frame he was here where they were just, you know, in, in, in the gutter record-wise. Sure. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Jake, number three. I'll be hasty. I had Miles at three. Um, he'll climb. He'll keep getting more and more. Um, yeah, I'll be surprised by, by the time he's done playing, he'll probably be my favorite Brown. But for now, I got two guys I just respect more than him um, currently as what they've done for Cleveland in, in my post-99 
uh, a viewpoint as a fan. So yeah, Miles is mine. I don't have to explain anymore. He's unbelievable. He's going to keep getting better. And uh, I just look forward to him challenging the sack record at some point. Absolutely. Steven, number Ray three. Matthews. Yeah, right there with should me. Should be huh? in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely he should, be. should be in the Hall of Fame. He should um, be. And had they won one of those games against Denver, I think he would be. Because as much as we say it shouldn't matter, Super Bowl appearances and Super Bowl victories, it makes a difference in that kind of thing in people's minds. It does. It yep. absolutely does. I mean, it does. for years and years and years, the, the Viking, the great Viking teams of the 70s who lost four Super Bowls had hardly anybody in. Yep. Uh, the, the Broncos, uh, all their Super Bowl losses pre-Elway. Uh, and yep. with Elway, they didn't get a lot of guys in until recently. It, it it absolutely matters. And I think that's, you know, no one would come right out and say it, but I think especially in the early years, right after he retired, it probably weighed pretty heavy. And there's also been a lot of great players. I mean, he's been in some stacked classes here recently and at the end of his eligibility. But uh, that's my number three, old number 57, Clay Matthews. Beautiful. And uh, you and I had the same three, four, just flipped up, flip flop. Number three, I have Ozzie Newsom. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the greatest tight ends to ever do it, man. I mean, it's, it's the stats. He he was before he was kind of ahead of his time. Him and Kellen Winslow Senior. They were kind of ahead of their time a good amount. Now it's kind of common practice nowadays with you know the last twenty years or so with Tony Gonzalez's, the Gronks, the, the Antonio Gates, uh, all those guys. So yeah, but I love Ozzy. Always have, yeah, always have, and always will. Cody number three. Uh, he's probably a little bit low for some of these lists, but it's Joe Thomas for me. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, a lot of people might have him in the one-two spot, depending on your age or anything. But, I mean, he's Cleveland Browns. He's he's the guy of our time frame. He's a little bit low, but number three, that's my guy. All right. Uh, Jake, number two. Uh, two for me is Joel Batonio. Uh, just a dude who can – Continues to one of our mics are making a weird noise. Are you guys hearing that mm-hmm. looking noise? I don't know. Let me see if it's me. Let me mute here. It's Cody. Oh yeah, it, is it, it me? Whoever muted. It's Steve. It's no, it's Steve. No, it's Cody. Is it Cody? What are you yeah. doing, Cody? Killing Sorry. us. Freaking nerds. <laughs> Put down your you know old school adding machine calculator, man. There he is. That's better. <laughs> You're be- I think you got to take yourself off mute, Cody. I got him. There we go. My there phone we go. is okay. dying, so I was trying to charge at the same time. It's not working, but we're good. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> yeah, I got I got Joel Batonio. I think Joel is um, he's just a grinder, man. He shows up. He supports the team. He never says anything wrong. Um, he's just all about Cleveland all the time. I think he's mentioned several times he wants to retire a Brown. I hope they figure out a way to get that right for him. And um, he's the type of guy you want in your franchise all the time. Who is just a he's good. He's a good person. He's a good person. He was always a fun interview because he's a very insightful guy, which is not always the case for offensive linemen. The Browns have been a little lucky in that regard. They've had some very, including like Alex Mack and Mitchell Schwartz. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. drafted offensive line pretty well for the most part, and they have. Um, brought in very intelligent offensive linemen. So, um, Batonio is number two for me, and it was it was tougher for him than I thought it would be for my number one. All right, number two, Stephen. Well, my number two and my number one, you take into account my age, the era that I'm picking most of these guys from, and the glamour position, you can probably guess who the two of them are. Number two for me is uh, Brian Sype. 
He was the first uh, quarterback that I loved when he left and went to the USFL. I like was just devastated. I remember my dad telling me because I was like, you know, oh, I'll never love whoever they get next, whatever. And he he was telling me about feeling that way about you know Otto and when he was young and Frank Ryan. He said, trust me, you know they'll come around as you get older. And, but I was like, I was 13 when he left. So, but then the very next year they drafted another guy who made me forget all about him. But uh, that season, that cardiac kids season, it's, it's, it's hard to explain to people who didn't live through it, how much it meant to the city and the yeah. fan base, because much like in, in a similar fashion, obviously not on a, global geopolitical scale like the miracle on ice meant but the city of cleveland had gone through very harsh times the 70s were not a good economic time for the country in general and cleveland was one of the hardest hit cities in the entire country so when you throw that on top of the fact that they were used to winning in the 50s and 60s and they hadn't been in the playoffs in eight years which at you know now seems like nothing you know it seems cute but at the time was a huge playoff drought and everything that that meant to the city it was it was magical. It was absolutely magical. And I will never, ever forget uh, number 17. Uh, so yeah. Brian Sype is my number two. It means a lot to me, too, because legend, as legend <laughs> tells me, I was conceived the weekend of Red Right 88. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what Pop's pretty sure of that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, my number two. Oh, gosh, what's going on here? My number two is uh, Eric Metcalf. Um, I love Metcalf. Always did. Uh, he's versatile, electric, and Lord have mercy if I could pick one player from Brown's past to play in today's NFL, mm -hmm. it would be Eric freaking Metcalf. Dude was just electric, man. My my favorite, most my well most memorable game I went to was the last game in '95 <laughs> before they moved to Baltimore. But the most fun I ever had at a Browns game was his two, was Eric Metcalf's two punt returns against the Steelers. Loudest. I've been to some loud sporting events. I've been to some late 80s, early 90s Cavs playoff games indoors at Old Ridgefield. And even that day where Eric Metcalf returned both those punts, that second punt return, Stephen, you were there as well. Mm -hmm. Loudest I've ever heard any sporting event in my entire life that I've ever attended. So, yeah, Eric Metcalf, number two. Uh, Cody, number two. Uh, it's probably early, but it's Baker Mayfield, number two for me. No, dude, I love Baker getting some love. You kidding me? Yeah, it's just he holds a special place in my heart. I'll say because he's the guy. I mean, I don't think anybody else in that draft class or quarterback class for for a couple of years now could come in to the situation he was facing and done what he's done with this team. I think he's the perfect guy for the Cleveland Browns. I think he's a bright future with this team. Um, he's my number two. Right on. Jake, number one. Uh, it's Joe Thomas. He's a, he's the first sure ballot Hall of Famer we've seen from this team in forever. Um, he's uh, he's just yeah, – sorry, he's fucking great. He, 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 to, <laughs> to have one of the best – to have one of the best – and I think we already forget how good he was. I really do. I really think mm -hmm. people already forget how great – because – I like that Twitter has turned to more watching film and I'm waiting for somebody and maybe this will be next off season. I'll do it, but like just a film deep dive on what Joe Thomas was. Cause I genuinely think we forget how much of a stonewall that human being was and how athletically gifted that guy was. And again, another guy like Batonio who carried the message the right way, 
did everything day in and day out the correct way, the same way you want your, you, you know, people around. And it's not his fault that he, he played in some of the biggest disasters in the NFL. Like he can't control that, but he kept sticking around. He, he didn't complain. He did everything he could to help the team win when he could. And I hated that he didn't get to go out on his terms when he, when he got hurt the way he did, but um, it's going to be cool. And I think it'll be the first time I go to an enshrinement up in Canton for, for a, for a hall of fame that I'll, I'll want to be there in person to watch Joe go in. Absolutely. So, number one. Love it. Steven. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, 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 we've seen what a luxury it is. And and I remember people trying to trade him for years and years and years. And yeah, it, glad oh, I wasn't what, down for that. It, it's uh, to be able, at a, especially at a position they almost like left did. tackle, to be able to stick him out there and just forget about it for 10 straight years because you knew that whatever job was supposed to be done in that position on this play, it was going to get done. You, to, to be that confident and not have to worry about it at a position like that, so critical for that long, it was a luxury that uh, I think you're right, Jake. A lot of people did not appreciate uh, just how, I mean, I think easily top five, arguably the best left tackle of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's definitely in the conversation, whether he comes out on top in that, you know, that's a matter sure. of opinion. It's hard to compare errors, all that stuff, but he's in the conversation. You can't say that about a lot of people. Uh, my number one, probably pretty obvious to anyone who's been listening old number 19 uh he you know bernie kosar is a folk hero of all folk heroes not only for what he did on the field and we all remember what he did on the field all the wins all the uh, you know everything that he did but the fact and this is hard to explain again to someone who wasn't there that he basically manipulated his way to cleveland like he yep. wanted to come here so badly that he manipulated the draft process to the point where they changed the rules the next year just to love come it. to Cleveland. Because I've had people over the years say, oh, well, you know, why do you guys love him? He never won you. He never even got you to a Super Bowl. He never won you a Super Bowl. I go, you don't understand. It's a Cleveland thing, man. Yeah. The guy wanted to be here that bad and gave everything he had to give and more. You know, uh, for it's it felt like forever at the time, but it was really only eight seasons that he was here, or nine seasons, whatever it ended up being. Um, easily my number one all-time favorite Brown. I'd go to war for nineteen to this yeah. day, anytime. I'm right there with you because that's my number one. Uh, you got me by, by nine, nine, ten years, but I was a kid during the eighties, and uh, I think any you know eight-year-old Bruns fan in nineteen eighty-eight. Loved Bernie. Mm -hmm. We're in love. Was in love with hell. Grown, grown eighty-year-old men were in love with Bernie. Then. Yep. Um, yeah. Everything you said about how he, you know, manipulated his way to Cleveland. Uh, how many? How many athletes? And he was so ever... cool too, man. Everything yeah. I see, and, and he yeah. was just like quintessential cool guy, man. And I'd say, not only is he the cool guy in general, he was cool on the field too. Yeah. Uh, I've never to this day I've never seen a brown quarterback so calm and collected and and just honestly intelligent. Uh that was his thing. He was just the one of the most intelligent players I've he is he's probably the most intelligent Browns player I've ever seen. Probably the fact that he was quarterback stick makes it stick out more. Um but well he had to be because yeah. you know, as you talk about how he was cool and he was this and he was, he was all those things. But if you step back and take the Cleveland emotion out of it and just look at him, he was gangly and gawky mm -hmm. and unathletic and had a goofy throwing like he was as smart as he was physically, he was like almost the complete opposite. He had to be so smart 
because yeah. he just he just didn't have the physical gifts that most of the other no. top quarterbacks in the league of any era had. Yeah. So he had to be that smart and to just yep. give everything that he had. And the story after the Jets game, after the marathon by the lake, when he, you know, you hear him give that interview, and I'm paraphrasing now, but after the Gastineau hit, he said he was, he was coughing up blood and all this stuff. And he was like, I'm not coming out of this game because I played like crap and I can't do that to these fans. And then he just turned it on and flipped the switch. The last yep. four minutes of that game was some of the most exciting four minutes of football I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, just to know that he cared that much. That's why to all those people who asked the questions, yep. that's why he's still to this day, a folk hero to large swaths of Cleveland and Browns fans all over the world. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was his last game uh, that he was a Brown at uh, that little post that he drew up in the dirt to throw to Michael Jackson for a touchdown. That was uh no, not the singer, the player guys. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, he's the only play. Actually, it's funny. Like I, I've never been a huge Jersey guy, but I've owned a lot of Cleveland sports jerseys, LeBron, Bernie Browns, Browns and Indians jerseys. I have never owned another team's Jersey, but two. And they were both Bernie Kozar. I had, mm-hmm. I had a, uh, and I wore it that, that year. They cut them every home game after I wore my, Bernie Kosar, Dallas Cowboys jersey to every game. And then I also had, I think he ended his career with the Dolphins. I had a yeah. Miami, Miami Dolphins Bernie Kosar jersey. Uh, the only player I've ever owned uh, the team's jersey before. And it was like, well, I, just a quick story, an old guy's story. That year after they cut him and he went to Dallas, they won the Super Bowl that year. So he got his ring. And I remember my dad and my brother and I, I forget which year it was, but the Cowboys just, you know, kicked the living snot out of whoever they were playing. And there was like six or seven minutes left and the defense was on the field and it became apparent like as he was warming up or something. And we knew if the defense made the stop, Bernie was going to come in, obviously just hand off. It was mop up time, but we were so excited. And whoever it was that they were playing just kept converting third down after third down. And we were getting so like we were angry, like it was a Browns game, like we were screaming and yelling at the television. And then he came in and I don't know if everybody remembers. He did come in and knelt. He took one snap and he knelt down. He didn't even buckle his chin snap. And we screamed like a bunch of morons. We were we were so happy that he got to go in and play in that Super Bowl. You know, yeah. and that, like oh, my mom is looking at the three of us going, what is wrong with you guys? Oh, yeah. And we were like, you don't get it. It's Bernie. Well, so. I'll never I'll never <laughs> forget it, too, because the 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 first game after he had signed with Dallas picked him up he like right that he he and I was at at the Browns game and he came in relief. I think Aikman, Troy Aikman got, got yeah. injured. And Bernie actually, I think, let him let him back to a comeback win, if I'm not mistaken. But it was funny because I'll never forget this. It's crazy, just the random things they all remember. Uh, I remember they put it on the on the old Marlboro freaking scoreboard at Old Municipal, and it was uh, some Bernie Kozar touchdown or something, and the whole stadium just started cheering. <laughs> you know, it was it was that's that's all you need to know. That that's that's how much. Brown fans love Bernie then and still adore Bernie. Um, guys, that was a lot of fun. I think I think we lost Cody for the rest of the day. We didn't catch his number one. We lost Cody. I'm gonna guess who would have been his number one, I think. Kenny Britt. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Dwayne Bow Dwayne Bow would have been in contention. Yeah. In the yeah. in the convo. Well, those are analytics darlings, those two guys. Yeah. yeah. Right. Guys, man. Yeah. Crazy yards per route run numbers from those guys, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> times. Well, guys, this this is going to be the uh, for the not the same old Browns podcast. This is presented by the OBR. This is going to be our last live stream on YouTube. Right. The show will continue. It will rock on. But guys, we have our Twitch launch next Monday, July twenty sixth. The OBR are taking all of their live streams over to Twitch. I'm going to put that into the chat so you'll have it there. Oh, my goodness. There it is. Twitch.tv slash the OBR underscore Browns. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I know you guys are excited. Um, you, you, I, Jake, you're not going to be able thanks, to. Dustin. For the, for, thanks. Appreciate you. Jake, you won't be able to be there for the first couple nights uh, when we launch, but uh, you're going to be uh, you'll, you'll be a big part of the mix next week, right? Yeah, I'll be back Wednesday. I'll be in. So just Beautiful. the first couple of days. Beautiful. Steven, you looking forward to it? Uh, I'm fired up, man. I am fired up to uh, get over there. We got some fun stuff for you guys. Um, I mean, I know obviously we've been ha harping up the ticket giveaways and all that kind of stuff, and that's a big draw. But we've got some some new show ideas that we're going to be debuting, and I hope they – I think they're all going to take off. We'll see which ones take off. Uh, and then uh, by the time the regular season rolls around, as you guys both know, the schedule's jam-packed, and it's going to be a blast. It's going to be all kinds of stuff. Yep. You, yeah, you ain't lying, Dustin. Appreciate that. It's been the uh, this uh, this time of the year for covering Browns is definitely, and this is my first year of doing it. So, I, I now I know what a lot of people have uh, complained about over the years. I, I, was, <laughs> I get it now. I get it. Well, thank you guys. Hopefully next week I won't have internet issues, and I will be sure to reset my router before every stream. I usually do do that, but if I would have done that today, I think we wouldn't have had these issues. But that's okay. All right, appreciate you guys, Roy. Thank you so much. Appreciate everyone hanging out in the in the uh, in the chat. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to the Twitch streams as well. Uh, we are launching that on July 26th, this upcoming Monday. Uh, we'll be back with not the same old Browns next Wednesday. You'll you'll be able to catch Stephen and I pretty much. Stephen, you and I are going to be on stream almost every day next week, right? Way too much. Way yeah. Too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, looking forward to it, guys. Thanks, as always, to hanging out. Thanks again to Cody for joining us. Jake, thanks for joining us again, as always, my friend. Appreciate you, brother. Um, all right, my guys. pleasure, man. Yeah, thanks, dude. And looking forward to many times of you're going to get sick of me soon enough. <laughs> Give it time, brother. I right, appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode, guys. Go Browns, baby. <laughs>